Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that brings you exclusive stories from people driving India's space activities. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium-scale enterprises, and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion. Hi and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast and today we have the team from SkyServe Aditya and Vishesh here who are going to be talking about the technology that they are building and the new company that they have. Uh, hi Vishesh and Aditya welcome to the show. Thanks for having us NP. Before we get into SkyServe uh, would love to know each one of your backgrounds and you know what got you together to build skyserve sure so uh, maybe i can start so uh, i have a background in uh, uh, as a bachelor's in aerospace engineering so i started from uh, it kanpur batch of 2011 uh, 2013 onwards uh, i joined team indus uh, it sounded one of the most exciting opportunities around and it turned out to be the same and uh, initially uh, i was uh, uh, i joined in for uh, uh, basically starting with uh, lunar descent uh, uh, that was the primary problem that we were trying to solve uh, and slowly matured into the the role of the guidance navigation control uh, role so this is this involved me uh, and and our team uh, to essentially uh, write the Uh, the requirements for the GNC system that we are building for the lunar lander, uh, write it from scratch, build the algorithms, uh, test them, uh, test them on uh, on hardware as well. So we went through the full uh, cycle, so uh, in loop testing and uh, uh, rehearsals and so on. Uh, around 2019, uh, when we found that uh, for for reasons or reasons beyond our control. uh we had to uh, i mean especially i as well uh, had to leave ti and uh, uh we started ideating on new uh, future looking uh, technologies that we could build and uh, that's the that's when the idea for skyserve came around and uh, uh, we incorporated in 2020 and we have been uh, working on developing this idea from that point onwards so uh, yeah that's about it from me Hi, and thanks, uh, uh, Vishesh, and thanks for having us. Uh, so my background is is pretty similar. So as an aerospace engineer, uh, a year younger than Vishesh, so I have a little more hair. Uh, and uh, uh, so I I sort of wanted to know more about uh, uh, space related subjects, and unfortunately, most of the courses in india don't cover that and that that actually got my sort of um, hunger to learn more about uh, how do you build spacecraft uh, it's mostly concentrating on aircraft uh, and uh, all all the sort of intra atmospheric uh, craft in in india and i mean you have that void then you want to want to know what's what's more what's out there so that's when i thought like let's go learn about space i went out to Uh, the uk uh, and studied specifically space engineering and that that opened up a huge uh, uh 
sector to me, which I didn't know really existed. All I knew was there's ISRO and they, they do launches and you can see them on DD. Uh, and beyond that, uh, there's, there's probably something. So my, my uncle uh, worked at ISRO and that's, that's actually how I knew that ISRO as, a, as an entity itself existed. So that, that combined with uh, the dearth of information, I thought, like, let's go investigate this. And I think after I completed the master's, I, I applied to quite a few jobs and finally uh, saw that uh, there's, a, there's a company back home in my own hometown in Bangalore, which is doing something really interesting. So I joined uh, Team Indus, uh, met Vishesh uh, for the first time there. I think that was in 2013 somewhere in the end of 2013. And uh, I, mean, I, I sort of got an opportunity to try out different uh, teams. So started, I think, with power systems and then moved to mission operations. And finally, uh, Vishesh and I got to head uh, the systems engineering group. Uh, and that was like, quite fun to, to see different complex uh, groups working, to be, uh, working towards the same goal. And uh, my my real interest was always in operating spacecraft, and uh, that translated into wanting to know what what can you do better. Uh, why do you really have to depend on on people on the ground to get stuff done in space? Because everything is there in space, but just the the intelligence is not there. So you're still de- uh, depending on ground for that. So that that contributed a little to. Uh, to the stuff that we were discussing, uh, Vishesh, uh, Vinay, our third co-founder, and uh, me. So uh, what what can we put all our interests into uh, and what's that uh, set of problems that can be solved? So that's, that's where uh, SkyServe came up. I think before SkyServe, uh, we, we didn't, uh, as in the name came a little later. Uh, we were calling it, say, uh, Space Edge, Orbit Edge, Edge Compute, uh, different variations of the same thing. But then we like, let's remove the technology from what we're talking about and named it uh, SkyServe. So yeah, that's that's where we are at. And it's been uh, uh, at least, I think, almost two years since we started that thought and we've come quite a way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. It's always interesting to see that there's like multiple companies that I know that have come out of uh, people who are involved in Team Indus. You know, there is uh, uh, Nakul who is doing cell propulsion and, you know, there is uh, uh, Astrogate Labs, uh, you know, that's come out of doing laser communication. And, you know, there's you guys that are now doing this. And uh, there's also this new space research uh, guys who are doing more the UAV things that are there as well. So, I mean, an interesting mix of people trying to break off and trying to do new entrepreneurial ideas that is always kind of interesting. And as you said, there's, you know, multiple things that you could have uh, done at the end. Uh, Why do you think that you chose this edge computing kind of a space uh, at this point of time? Yeah, I'll I'll hazard an answer. So so, uh, I think it's, it's probably a combination of the personalities and our experiences. So uh, Vishesh is deep into algorithms and autonomy. And uh, my interest was uh, how do you get sort of night nights out operation, but for uh, mission-focused satellites. So if you're talking about uh, any application of a satellite, then uh, how do you go about that? So if you see communication constellations have to be autonomous because 
their uh, their position actually doesn't determine what the main payload is it may be about the poles it may be about uh, the uk about the pacific ocean it's either an on or an off of the payload but there's no other context to where it is flying about so that autonomy coming in to know what exactly is the context of where you are what you have to do uh, so i think that's that's a very interesting problem to solve and uh, uh, now now that many many uh, companies are are coming forward and being known publicly i think a lot of the uh, news out there which uh, has brought uh, mainstream investors to look at a company like planet uh, some of these these pieces of news basically are educating people that these things are real so pro- previously they thought yeah dth is satellite i point my antenna there i'll get ztv so now it's now it's probably uh, a new uh, trend that probably people uh, who are outside our industry uh, start noticing so that's that's actually uh, an interesting place where we find ourselves that all this technology that we're building can we directly go to the people and service them like dth is is literally uh, bringing the goodness of satellites directly to the house and could you do that for earth observation was one of the questions that we were discussing uh, but then also we iterated on a different Uh, it it went i think uh, vishesh had this uh, uh, inspiration that can you uh, get an end consumer to appreciate earth observation uh, as i'm stealing his point though but uh, which is that emotion of of the end consumer that uh, earth observation automated directly served to that person say uh, laptop computer mobile phone uh would would be so satisfying that they would want it all the time so we went all the way from that end to where we are today uh and i think we we will ultimately be able to get to that point where uh an end consumer could probably appreciate this mainly because we are trying to simplify it and also bring some technologies that uh can make that jump possible because like emotion desire to have something is one but if you can't afford it uh then you either need to wait for the next uh, generation to come because the cost reduction certainly takes time uh or you need to basically be having a much higher purchasing power so these 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 sorts of were, were the thoughts that we had uh how do you break it down to people how do you make an impact directly to the consumer and uh, we chose uh, quite a few steps both technical as well as business that could uh, uh get us there so it's a, it's a quite a uh, uh set of milestones we have put put out i think some of it is a little defined some of it is a little more fuzzy some of it we'll discover as we go so yeah that's sort of the background thinking yeah so one more thing i would like to add <clears throat> is that uh, we also noticed that edge computing itself is kind of an underexploited technology in space and we had been reading about uh, that okay there is, there are already ideas there and uh, the kind of computers that we have commercially available at everybody's place uh, uh it's it just seemed obvious that uh, uh if we allow edge intelligence to uh, to be more prominent uh some of the key constraints that are uh, you know stopping earth observation to be more uh, ubiquitous could be done away with so uh this is something that then i mean just thinking about the problem statement we uh, 
obviously did our literature survey, we found out that this is something that has not been really uh, risked by, uh, so to say, traditional space operators to, to have high-end computing. So the computing is meant to do something very specific for each uh, for each mission and each satellite platform. So that prompted us to think more about that point of view that say if there was more intelligence and more computing power that uh, these edge computing devices had, what else could we really do? So uh, that prompted us in this direction. Great. And for the audience sake, it'll be very interesting to know, you know, what is edge computing and how is it different from other kinds of computing? So, yeah, uh, there would be two types of computing, so centralized and uh, decentralized. So centralized would involve, you know, a big fat server or say, uh, you know, a high end computing device at one single place. And uh, edge systems uh, require the same uh, similar kind of compute uh, to be distributed. And uh, situationally as in uh, or uh, positionally uh, separate places so uh, uh, what edge computing allows you to do is uh, <clears throat> reduce the uh, the time till which you know the uh, a computation happens so if there's a huge sensor stream that is f- uh, you know filling a centralized computer uh, with all this information that needs to be analyzed uh, Obviously, it will have uh, its own benefits and, uh, and and demerits, but yeah. So these are these are two different ways of thinking about it. So an edge computing allows you to uh, do uh, a very decent amount of compute at the edge, which is closer to uh, the the source of the uh, the sense sensor that you are essentially operating on. Right. And what would be the end user benefits in all of this compared to traditional Earth observation? So if you could explain that with, let's say, a system that perhaps, for example, ISRO uses as a legacy solution. Yeah, I think uh, one one way to look at it is, uh, and, and we, we went through quite a few uh, paper runs of this. So just to put into context, we, we actually picked up Cartosat 3 uh, and uh, assessed that for the downlink uh, speeds that they have, uh, the volume that they could get down and the dedicated ground stations that they claim uh, is for them to take these data products. So from that, what you see is they're using probably uh, maybe 10% of their total image uh, capturing capacity because that's all that they can dump down to the ground and that's what becomes a product. And uh, Cartosat 3 is, is largely tasked because it's high resolution. So you really can't keep collecting uh, images of locations that you don't have an immediate need for because then you run the risk of, there's an immediate demand, say, uh, for any uh, specific purpose, say there's a demand that comes from a government agency. They have to respond as soon as they can and they can't have capacity already taken up. So one one key here is that you have to plan this out so carefully that you will never end up utilizing the rest 90% of the image uh, capturing capacity on the same satellite. And that's a lot of, uh, uh, maybe for the Indian uh, government, it's, it's not exactly a criteria, but if you look at it in commercial terms, you are really not uh, extracting as much as you can from that same asset. So in, in that sense, 
what you could do here is if you were to compute only that which is required uh, and even areas that you need to observe, say, uh, if it is optical and you really don't have a use for, say, uh, cloud-covered regions during monsoon, you don't need to try to take those images and then see, okay, hit and miss, like, probably I will get something in between the clouds. You don't need to do that because then the intelligence can be closer to where these images are being created and you can avoid those downlinks, but also it opens up all that rest of the spare capacity for you to uh, capture information. So, so one way to try that out is speculatively take images and if they are needed, bring them down. Uh, and the criteria for that can be user-defined. And that's, that's a little bit of... Uh, uh, intelligence, but that's not really the full scope of what we're thinking of doing. But something as basic as that could really get more out of the same asset, the same initial investment, and probably even reduce the manpower cost to maintain, say, a Cartosat 3 uh, uh, operation. So th that's that's one one paper run that we tried. Uh, there's, there's, of course, if you scale this up to, say, a constellation level for most of the small satellite operators today, uh, Per day savings, say you uh, are scheduling probably one commanding pass per satellite. Uh, if you were to eliminate at least 20% of these commanding passes, so say uh, you take a satellite constellation with 100 satellites, 20 commanding passes eliminated, uh, that's, that's a huge savings, not just in uh, ground station time, but it's also a saving in terms of the people there because they could do a lot more work and a lot of these operation centers today don't just have operators they're uh, they're doing a lot more tasks they're also probably helping out in uh, payload scheduling maintenance trying to fix anomalies so this uh, frees them up uh, a lot more so it's not just in terms of utilizing the asset well it's also uh, freeing up and probably having a smaller uh, more agile team on the ground Right. And uh, Vishesh, uh, do you have anything to add there that is kind of complementary? Yeah, so I, I could also give you an example of a use case here. So uh, I'll give you two options. Uh, so there's a fire near your house. And uh, uh, option one is that the, the fire is uh, seen by someone remotely and uh, uh, somebody, that, that person relays it to another person. Uh, in a matter of two days, you get to know, okay, there's a fire around my house. And, and that third person tells me this. Uh, the time that it takes, the fire has already probably engulfed your house and uh, you know about it, right? So uh, clearly. The second thing is, a uh, second option is that uh, someone situated remotely immediately recognize there's a fire. And rather than depending on a third person who... Uh, who you basically give this information, allow him to interpret. You allow this observer to do this interpretation for himself or herself and directly tell you, reducing this whole uh, you know long chain of information flow and directly tell you there's a fire in your house as soon as possible, right? So this is, this is something then an, an edge computing use case, it can enable you. And uh, that's, the, that's the major benefit, right? So all of the things that you traditionally do, uh, if I just take the example here, so uh, images are taken, the pre-processed and analyzed, and then an insight could be given to an end user. By this time, it, I mean, things may have progressed for the worse. So this is something that, uh, I mean, 
I'm giving a more extreme, more near real-time use case of what it can enable. But at least it gives you a sense to, uh, you know, see the capacity and capability of of, uh, this technology. You know, one of the things that uh, people are trying to now achieve is kind of getting more quality data out and making satellite intelligence, right? So uh, one of the things that I've seen people say is that almost 95% of the satellite data that people collect in Earth observation is pretty useless because they're either with clouds or, you know, they're not features that people want to use as end users or other things that are out there. And there's a tremendous amount of people trying to build intelligence into satellites so that uh, the use case for them and the whole cost in, you know, taking that, you know, data down is also going to reduce over time. And the use case is becoming uh, more and more interesting because you can then optimize when you operate that particular asset in space as well. Is this a movement that is primarily private sector driven or is there also a thought process within ISRO or other space agencies, you know, like ISRO for example, or perhaps even within ISRO to think on any of these lines or? Yeah, I I think I have seen plenty of examples in which, I mean, generally uh, forward looking uh, technologies begin with space agencies. So say for example, the, uh, on the, on the point of autonomy, uh, NASA actually carried one uh, an autonomous uh, mission in early 2000s, and uh, so I think if it's called EO1, uh, where they did experiment with this. Uh, now, uh, uh, currently, uh, I would say it's a mix of both. Uh, I mean, both uh, space agencies are looking into it for sure. The the benefits are are real, and uh, the benefits are there from the cost point of view and the insights that they get from the images. Uh, as in cost and latency both. Uh, and, and clearly, private companies were pla- planning to do Constellation. It's it's uh, another uh, aspect itself in which uh, you're not doing a limited science mission, but you are doing it commercially. So uh, uh, I, I have noticed that both, uh, both ends uh, have actually uh, made some progress in this domain. And I think it's also the nature of the... the sensor that they're using so if you see uh like most governments at least they, they are they're interested in uh strategic uh, uh applications for this so i think you might uh, see the uh, space-based infrared uh, system that the u.s had built which is for near real-time missile warming these guys they were actually doing this this is edge computing of a different type uh, because the the sensing is so easy. So you see a hotspot, you just have to track whether the hotspot moves uh, too fast to be a land vehicle uh, and you know what it is. So the signature is very apparent. Uh, signal processing on board is straightforward, but that is sort of the very early example of computing on board and giving a, a ready-made product for somebody. Uh, probably there's just the minimal part of doing a few coordinate frame, frame transformations. That's the that's all that may need to be done on the ground, and that could be done on somebody's uh, terminal on on the uh, on the ground. So I think that's that's the probably the true beginning of of this sort of Earth observation, real time computing in a government uh, agency. But I think. Uh, it, it's gone from those sort of simple data sets to more complex ones. So what Vishesh was mentioning, EO1, that was a hyperspectral sensor. 
and it really makes sense to try and find a way to reduce the cost of bringing that data down because you really can't afford to bring say 500 bands of information which is like uh, probably 4 to 5 gigabits of data down for large enough areas like you really can't have any useful data set and the way that mission did it uh, it's it's still giving data sets for people who want to do crop classification for large tracts of land on uh, on earth they're still going to that data uh, but they had a budget they couldn't have done it without some sort of autonomy so their budget probably made them think in that direction uh, but that sort of has become the frontier uh, or starting point for many people to say okay earth observation uh, that i can understand using autonomy in space uh, that probably was the starting point and i think most space agencies are working on it i think a lot of them would be bringing it out in steps like say technology demonstration say for the next earth observation fleet even in isro certainly will have some parts of it so uh, and i think we will know that once the products start coming out if you see there's there's more volume being put out probably this is the reason and uh, we won't know it uh, isro being isro we will know it when it happens a lot of them uh, have to consider it because you have to be competitive and again resources are scarce and you know one of the things when you come to do all of these things is uh, you know what is a technology push versus a market pull is the most interesting question to ask in any of these technologies and end user demand um, have you you know got a sense of uh, you know what would be like the savings for an end user in all of this because often you know this technology i can see this as a potential technology that the military will use in any case because this is something that will help them you know detect a lot of the features and model aircraft and model certain features that will tell them where to look at changes uh, immediately that's you know the first thing that comes to my mind or to anybody's mind in that sense when you deal with all of these things but then for this to really proliferate at the end you would want to prove that the business case is really that the cost of doing business in this way and using this technology is much more attractive than you know cost of uh, using the traditional system and having to download everything and having you know servers and having compute and having delivery of all of this to uh, reduce all the noise right so i really haven't seen anybody like model this in a way that is consumable to anybody within the industry or could also give a sense of what that would be like at the end uh, do you have a sense of uh, any of these sure i think uh, some some modeling of course we did uh, wouldn't want to claim that we've got the best model and best understanding but from what we uh, uh, inferred from that is at one extreme you could bring down uh, the cost of information that you need from an image uh, at least say by one order of magnitude that's that's certainly possible and uh, this this is purely by taking uh, say ground station time into consideration this is this is not anything else uh, but what is it that actually brings this down is the nature of what that information is so if you're looking for change no change uh, then the question is who will be ready to pay for just a boolean answer uh and in order to trust a boolean answer they would want you to give them images for proof so you would you would still need to spend for selling them that 
benefit that you can bring down your cost uh, by an order of magnitude. But in order to convince yourself, you will still want to spend a little bit more, get convinced, and then the reliability will speak for itself and then you will switch. So till you switch, we will, of course, have to support them. And the nature of what they want is is going to define this this true reduction because more than a cost reduction, uh, it's, it's value that shouldn't get compromised. So you're looking for the same quality that you probably got when you, say, uh, looked at free Sentinel data, you were able to uh, see change. You purchased, say, commercial imagery at a higher resolution, you were able to see change. Now, this service is also able to give me the change, but it's giving me at uh, something called a compromise, right? So it's not giving me what I used to get, but it's giving me exactly what I want. And that's a behavioral thing that... that uh, uh, needs to change and and some of uh, the pilots that we've done actually brought that out they still want proof so you will take some time to convince and take some time for them to move uh, but what we've seen is those in the space industry are more ready to change so they know exactly what they're looking for and uh, it, it's sort of test vectors right so if you if you have the test vectors and your uh, system works out, you're always going to be able to replicate this uh, uh, cause and effect. So if this happened, this is my Boolean yes or no. If this is there, I can quantify it as so many objects detected, or this is the cultivable area in a farm. So they're, they're already aware of that. But if you see this order of magnitude reduction actually attracts far more new players. And that's that's the real market that most of these autonomy companies should be after uh, because cost reduction for incumbents who are purchasing data is is sort of, uh, uh, I think, a very small portion of the market. So what we're seeing is this is sort of hoping to go ma- mass market in a way. Uh, it's, it's probably these technologies that will convince existing, say, geospatial companies to adopt this. And as they start... Uh, getting convinced of this, that real one order of magnitude cost reduction will be unlocked to everybody else. Because say ISRO says, I have images and this tells that uh, the say number of, uh, 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 how do you say, thatched roof houses have reduced over the last uh, one year and they give some metric. Uh, Everybody is is very uh, eager to go check out the actual satellite image if they have used uh, Google Earth and try to compare. Is this really true? Uh, but if, say, the Indian government were to tell it has changed and they used, uh, say, SkySurf's technology, uh, how, do you, how do you convince the common man that uh, this really happened? So th- these are places that, that I think uh, it's a little bit of behavior change and uh, getting used to a new, uh, new technology. Uh, but from our models, what we see is uh, both cost and latency are the main levers. So value has to remain a constant. If you can bring down the latency, people are ready to pay far more. They probably would pay more than the actual cost of the image if you can deliver it quickly, which is which is what edge computing has. And on the other side, if you can bring down the cost uh, purely because of, say, the data volume, uh, you have a different end of the market. Great, great. And... 
as i see it you have to deal with two phenomena one is of course if you want to build your own uh, you know gpu based stuff or you want to build your own hardware stack and mix that with your software uh, algorithms at the end how mature is the indian ecosystem for you to get access to any of these uh, hardware uh, to put together anything of that nature because i'm sure that you know the software element is then driven by the hardware itself and that's something that you can control much more than the hardware itself i mean how do you have any bottlenecks in this regard or is it the playing field kind of very open or you're looking at uh, architectures where something that is very new into the space industry it has ne- never been brought together and tested this can can be you know prepared for the environment in space and then you're basing it on top of that or yeah so some some of the stuff is is going to be new uh, because at least in the indian ecosystem uh, most of the space hardware is is heritage uh, and it's been established uh, for quite a while so what we're bringing in is of course something that's not built for space and uh, we are actually quite fluid so we are we're not basing our solution on any specific hardware uh, our our true uh, offering is is actually the autonomy stack so it uh, it starts with one piece of hardware that we we are uh, going to fly and uh, as we go whichever is the next best thing or whichever suits uh, say the support infrastructure uh, like which is the satellite platform that you're flying on which is the sensor that you're taking inputs from if you need to change we we will change uh, so if we're starting say with uh, optical data uh, the number of bands the uh, bit depth these are parameters that define how much is the throughput we need so we're starting uh, from a given point and we will keep moving upwards uh, and probably get a little more uh, ambitious in the amount of compute that might go on board so uh, in terms of the uh, ecosystem itself i think it's it's quite a great ecosystem so uh, at least uh, from our experience when uh, we were a team and us so uh, a lot of the ecosystem was developed by isro so even though they uh, uh, don't necessarily have their own products out Uh, but they give great quality and they really know what what they need to deliver and some of the ecosystem is also developed by team indus so uh, we we tap into both these uh, uh, groups and uh, some some very new players are also coming up and i think this is the sort of second wave of uh, interest so there's a lot of ecosystem that's getting created by the launch vehicle startups out of india uh, uh, satellite startups in india so dhruva space pixel so the this this sort of mixed ecosystem i think is is uh, you're always going to get one new player every month i feel that's that's the way we are we are seeing this and i think that is that is really great uh yeah as in this is this is on the hardware side and i think software uh, i think it's a good place to be in bangalore at least to start off with research yeah absolutely i think uh, on both and i think uh, we have i think we pleasantly surprised by uh, so much uh, the depth of knowledge that people have obviously there are some things that we are uh, i mean if it was everything was settled science and settled technology probably we'll be too late for it so uh, we are obviously taking our risks on the technology uh, but yeah so we will have uh, on the software and uh, some some really really good uh, folks in india and so uh, in fact on the on the overall software autonomy and i feel that i feel pretty confident that uh, we'll have a very very good start 
yeah i mean this is uh, definitely an interesting evolution of the indian ecosystem i've like created a list of about 50 companies actually in the last like 3 4 years that are very interesting are using space in one form or the other uh, mostly downstream i think uh, the press really focuses on the upstream a lot uh, unfortunately and i've actually seen a tremendous amount of value actually created in the downstream by very interesting different use cases uh, that are up and coming in many many of these uh, different uh, segments but unfortunately the press doesn't really cover uh, a lot of that in in that sense how hard is it for you guys to like tap into customers because at the end of the day you know isro doesn't really have a methodology to engage with startups uh, to give out contracts you know for any kind of these kinds of experiments in plugging into their eco- their own ecosystem of how they you know consume and process uh, data at the end and uh, i mean today there's probably just pixel who is based in india who's doing anything in remote sensing or at least has something to fund with uh, to begin with at uh, in that level so most of the people that you are then have to talk to are all abroad outside of india mostly right as your potential customer base is it then like easier to talk to a lot of these people is it difficult is it like you know is there any bias yeah so uh, in terms of uh, so I, i spoke about two two varieties of uh, of these users right so one variety of course is uh, the one that already knows uh, the the products that we're going to give them uh, so they are they are aware of what is uh, uh satellite sensor data so they are they are already using multiple forms of that uh and almost all of them are depending on uh commercial sources in addition to of course tapping into isr if they are able to get the data sets so uh finally for scale sheer scale uh, everyone starts at say sentinel landsat uh, and many of these european and uh, american uh eo programs so the data sets that they have started with uh are uh, how do you call it? the the benchmark so when you communicate with them uh you you start with that so if you're able to give deliver on any use case that they're working on using sentinel it's visible so in their product itself on their website you will know they're using uh sentinel data because they're giving land cover land chain uh, land use change uh they're giving agricultural uh, use cases so some of that is is good enough information for us to know this is where uh, they're going this is what they are offering and what we are working with is slightly improved resolutions to that uh, which means the cost should this there should be some element of cost so if it's better than sentinel uh, which is free and uh, open thanks to the isas copernicus policy but anything better resolution than that probably needs to be uh, purchased by you so the closest that popular uh, names that come up say as planet which is giving something close to 4 meters per pixel that costs x dollars so it may not be fully transparent but it does cost something so all you're trying to do is if you can offer something that costs less than what planet can give but not give the image itself is that attractive to say customer a in india customer b in europe somebody else in australia so if you if you just place these geographies uh you you get to know what actually is their worry so say in india uh you don't have volume yet 
within India. So if you have, say, a farm aggregator or a retail chain as your customer, you don't have much volume to, to justify, which means you really need a different price point from a customer in Europe or in Australia. So in Australia, a single customer could actually give you that volume. In Europe, uh, probably you need to go closer to a, a government player to get that, but it's easier to get in there. So these these three different approaches is, is what we've seen uh, to, to speak to customers. So you need to take your time to understand where they are, what they're already working with, and where in that uh, problem that they're trying to solve is one of our two dimensions actually going to come in. So are they looking for cost reduction or is it uh, uh, latency? And of course, value has to remain the same. So we're trying to remove some of the friction and complexity, but some of these guys already know some of uh, this, right? So they already know how to process some of the, the data sets. Uh, so that's that's the first group. Uh, and this is this is what we've noticed that it's very geography specific and you need to get into the psyche of their user base uh, to to understand that, and of course, the second group uh, is 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 quite easy to understand. That it is a hard problem to solve. So, so what what you what you're going to see is that uh, there are there are probably more companies that want to consume the final result uh, outside India. So you're certainly not looking at India to be your first end user uh, uh, in in quite quite some time. So. Uh, these these are all outside, and each of them think differently. So we we came across a use case for uh, smart mobility. I think Vishesh was was working with them, uh, and uh, those guys like threw crazy problem statements, asking, "Could you do this?" Uh, so and some of some of the questions are like they're very interesting. You want to solve them, but then you also tell them that uh, you probably could solve it without satellite data, and you're trying to be honest to them because. Uh, you, you don't want to misrepresent uh, the earth observation sector by, say, telling you could solve anything and everything from space. So some of these experiences have also been there where, where, we, where we go out of our way to make them know what can be done and also what can't be done so that we push them closer to, to solving real problems that uh, we can also associate our name with. Also, I mean, talking about the, the customers themselves, I... I... One of the most mature conversations that we had uh, is with an Indian customer. So uh, it's not that they are not there, and uh, uh, and in fact, they have been very open. Uh, and, and this is something that I feel that's a very positive sign that uh, everybody's seeing the value, even the Indian a- analysis companies. Yeah, I mean, always uh, interesting as well, and. And there could be some other evolution that is coming up as well. And, you know, I'll try to also see if I can connect you guys to the Azista BST venture. Uh, I mean, we've been working with them for a while now and uh, the factory is almost ready now for them as well. And uh, they plan to roll out uh, the ability to have about 250 satellites built in Ahmedabad soon. Uh, and they have a number of end users that are looking at using that kind of capacity and maybe having a local solution for some of the processing side might help some of these guys as well. And, you know, I'll probably take that uh, forward and see if I can introduce you guys to them and see if uh, that could be kind of uh, be helpful as well. So apart from, you know, all of these things, the other aspect here is uh, then it's very clear that you're looking to be like more commercial and trying to be like, you know, 
get in get yourself into positions where you work with other businesses uh, at the end and more of uh, you know being a if not local ecosystem is uh, quite large there's of course a global ecosystem of customers that you can can tap into and and get them on board so i mean this is one of the features that i like of uh, indian startups nowadays because most indian startups know that they cannot get the government as their customer unlike the us ones or the european ones so it forces them to have this uh, cockroach mentality a little bit where you think about uh, how can i actually survive to you know stay in business uh, working with other businesses rather than uh, let me just go lobby the us government or three letter agencies or uh, you know european uh, union or the european commission to get some money off of them uh, i think this is one of the most uh, interesting things for me in india because you might have lower number of companies but the quality of the companies if they survive for like 3 or 4 years will be much higher and the ability to like scale as a bigger company will be much higher because the foundations of every company will be commercial i don't know what do you guys think about it uh i would say totally uh, as in uh, by most of your points here that uh, the the trends that are i mean some of the the, the indian startups are uh, surely by the ambition i think uh, i mean they are spawning off new ideas and new technologies here uh, for sure i think uh, uh, coming from the government point of view i think there is uh, uh, probably uh, talks more to the maturity of the ecosystem itself uh, uh, younger ecosystems will have uh, in where where say the the space economy is just opening up might have the 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 space operator traditional government space operator uh having some hesitancy in accepting uh you know more aggressive ambitious startups to come join and participate there uh in more mature ecosystems we have found that there is more openness uh for sure that that that's the case and uh uh, uh also from the technology point of view i've seen that the indian uh uh particularly about the quality as you mentioned uh some of the work that these companies are doing are um, probably amongst the top 3 4 companies uh, who are really attempting to replicate or or so build similar technologies on on in their own geographies so this is also very inspiring to see so we are not just making uh, run of the mill uh, uh, satellite platforms or cubesats we are making much more than that so i i would say that uh, yes all the trends are are in a very very good encouraging direction alter you want to add anything there i i i i buy most of it uh, though uh, i think newer ecosystems i think uh, a success story probably is yet to come out but i've seen a very new uh, ecosystem which is the australian space ecosystem it's it's much younger than india uh, they've been trying to be very open up front uh, but yeah the success story is yet to come out so they've had a few launch vehicle companies we still yet to see a launch uh, they are incubating quite a few innovative companies from across the world they've tried to bring them in uh, but i think that's that's a place where uh, the the first mover everybody every uh, startup is looking for somebody to actually go lead the charge uh, and and some places they're probably looking for a commercial a player to lead the charge to so say if a lockheed could come into australia and lead the charge 
people will be like, yes, now we know it will work. Uh, but in India, you already know that there is somebody already leading the charge. You just have to do your bit. So uh, I, I think it's it's a it's a mixture of different types of ideologies. So in uh, in uh, Asia, at least, there's uh, a, a very big example that we see right in our neighboring country. So they they literally have told, please take uh, maybe not the mantle, but take the charge to scare everyone away from doing commercial space. So uh, if if we just just look across the Himalayas there and take inspiration, I think. Uh, uh, there's 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 enough material there to to push ahead. Uh, while I think the the more mature uh, ecosystems, I agree with 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 what you say that it gives a false sense of security, and also the funding ecosystems are are uh, really uh, as in they're ready to err on the side of uh, putting more. Uh, while you you sort of learn your way to get your first check in India by really justifying like if i were to give you say uh, 100 rupees tell me that uh, you could get more out of it than uh, the other guy whom i could give you 100 rupees for so you you really have to break it down for yourself convince yourself that uh, uh, yeah i i am worth this 100 rupee check uh, but a lot of people in in these more mature ecosystems don't even think twice as in they given probably two three checks of 100 uh, and told uh, do that that you're that you're already doing. I don't know what you're doing, but do it. So I think yeah, it sort of teaches us a bit of that, and probably culturally also in India, I think we 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 try to uh, justify things uh, a little more. So probably we end up becoming a little more competitive when we are on the market. Yeah, I, I feel that uh, I mean uh, on a on a slightly zoomed out picture. Uh, Indians are in the process of getting rich. So when we have that mentality that, okay, I can throw away some money, uh, there's more risk-taking ability that would immediately be visible. Yeah, and I think, you know, Australia, I would say for me, is uh, not a great comparison to India because uh, the space agency is pumping a lot of money into the uh, ecosystem. And I actually know zero Australian companies that uh, do almost anything commercial. They almost all survive on government money uh, where, you know, the government is uh, looking at establishing sovereign space capability and uh, they are basically funding these companies to stay alive. So uh, there is no like uh, interest in getting out and uh, working with commercial customers straight away when you develop the first product to then, you know, roll something out into the ecosystem. It's more like, oh, our governments and our country wants to become more sovereign capable and our space agency want, doesn't want to build that capability like ISRO or every, anybody else. And let us have our industry build that for us and we'll procure that from the industry, right? So it's a interesting, you know, way of building things, but uh, I'm not a very big fan of just... Uh, you know, uh, governments doing all of this to a, it, it's a circulation of tax money that you end up having to do uh, at the end, which is uh, uh, you'll never create companies that are uh, billions of dollars that way. If you keep circulating uh, taxpayer money, of course, you can always keep circulating billions of taxpayer money and you'll create billions of uh, dollars worth of companies at the end. But yeah, that's again kind of unsustainable at the end. So yeah, I mean, you know, this is all very interesting because at the end of the day, we also like keep looking at all of this, right? And 
a lot of people do complain that oh you know like india we need to have more of the support from the government and everything and you know when you kind of assess uh, you know a lot of these things then you kind of feel like okay you know what it's very easy that people can either die in 3 or 4 years trying to do something or you know they come out to be become quite big so it's a much easier path to take then uh, and because the ecosystem kind of forces you to go in that direction perhaps you know you are better off as a company as the journey of the entrepreneur is actually better that way at the end so uh, you know kind of moving on in here what about talent like i know that you guys have of course you come from this uh, team industry background and you know each other and you know what the industry trends are like based on your experience are there like reasonably good talent available for you guys to say that uh, we can you know go hire somebody here and get them on board and they'll be immediately productive in whatever whatever they want to do then or is it like i was hearing um, you know one of the other companies uh, that are also advice in india tell me that they had like on an average 1500 application per position that they broadcasted so people who are applying to that job and they had like five or six positions and they said that uh, the same person applied to all five roles in many cases so uh i was just you know this is one of the things that i see as a, a signal to noise problem in the country at the end so i was just wondering you know what you guys think especially in what you do i don't think so there's a lot of the people who fit into maybe what you are trying to do and there's a lot of uh, you know training and getting them on to speed to really be productive right so i would love to hear from you guys uh i mean immediately if i could say uh, in on a slightly different note i think we have got some tremendous talent it's just that uh, uh ultimately if if we if you do first principles thinking uh you all you have a problem statement probably you know uh, closer to something uh, something which is again a physics problem and uh and out of say 10 people you find at least one or two people who who do think that way and and who can you know given a uh, given a thought we don't need to instruct them like uh, you uh, you can have these people taking off initiatives on their own and actually build something which is towards a direction that we would like so i think that say for example on uh, on the uh, computer vision side on the embedded side got some great folks a lot of the great folks are currently in indian ecosystem i've noticed that they're working in service companies so uh, many of them are not really building products uh, on the geospatial side on the space side uh, a lot of them have gone to uh, either isro or uh, uh, or abroad for their masters and uh, I- i've noticed that uh, many of the work much much of the work that is being done uh, we are not really building our own say uh, nv software or say a, a pci geomatica in which you really need to know each step of the way what's really happening uh, in in from the say satellite processing uh, if if uh, i mean if the first company that uh, makes such a software uh, uh, comes in that would be a probably my uh, great sign that okay you've got talent which is particularly focusing on uh, on these aspects as well where we understand the technology through and through and uh, i see that we uh, companies uh, who are fresh into the ecosystem who are just compelled by the need of the business have to build such things probably maybe 10 15 years down the line this is the same talent that might be building that uh, uh, 
from the time point of view, I think we are at least 10, 15 years behind uh, in taking such initiatives. Uh, it's just my experience. But the talent and the capacity is for sure there. It's just that uh, those ideas, uh, I would love to see, you know, uh, people from our uh, kin and say uh, in, in the aerospace ecosystem who are, uh, you know, having companies here, uh, promote such endeavors where uh, we could also make uh, similar contributions to, say, open source space software analysis. Uh, and, and, and this is something that uh, I, I feel that uh, it's just a matter of time rather than that it's can it be uh, simply possible in India now or not. Great. And, you know, what about uh, funding? You know, now that in the last uh, two or three years is what I see as this VC series, uh, series A capital being available in the country. So I guess um, you guys are also in the middle of this where perhaps access to capital is today much more easier than two or three years before, uh, especially when it comes to like VC money at the end. So was it like, do you foresee this as a right move at the right time because the right capital available is today is available today? Probably. I, I think uh, it, it is certainly the right time because uh, uh, as in we know that it, it took a while for uh, a, a sufficient amount of visibility to be a, a, a associated with a, a Indian space startup. Uh, and I think all of us would, would agree that Pixel has, has started that. And uh, uh, that, that visibility also brought out a sort of insecurity, I think, amongst the investment uh, fraternity in India, which is, uh, if we are not on that deal, which deal should we be on? So, so it, uh, I think uh, that that is, is certainly something that is good and probably fortunate. Uh, but I don't think that has uh, taken away any of the difficulty in in conveying messages uh, because uh, we we started with a great idea and we thought it was great. Uh, then the next job is to convince them that it is great. And uh, as as we spoke about, the Indian ecosystem is is not not easy to. Uh, communicate something that they don't natively understand it. So you're, you're still speaking to those who are like, uh, 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 how do you say, it? Uh, as a mobile app that, that could say make uh, any, anybody a, a retail chain. You could do billing, you could do everything. As in, they come from the economics of scale from there and uh, probably uh, try to find which is the closest correlation between what you're speaking and and say a SaaS startup. And and for us, fortunately, the way we wanted to position ourselves is ultimately this should be a SaaS offering. Uh, and if it has to be a SaaS offering, how do you really communicate this to them? Because they're going to look at it this way that you're going to do a, a sort of uh, intense NRE. And after that, distribution sort of happens on its own, exponential gains. And then you just have to think, uh, is this whole thing, uh, the, the scaling part going to take care of itself or do you need more money into that? So even there, you you don't really fit in, even though you're trying to tell this probably might be a SaaS offering. So that's that's the place where uh, uh, it, even though it's space, we found ourselves to be uh, somewhere in between. Like we, we don't really have the sexy appeal of building a satellite. We're not building a rocket. We're not building a satellite. Uh, we're also trying to be down to the earth because we need to give people information that they need. They need to pay for it. Uh, they need to monetize that further and they need to see value there. So 
what we saw is the trend certainly was there uh, but many times we we almost uh, uh, second guessed that the next question that they're going to ask is uh, so how big is the satellite that you're building okay is there a rocket involved so that's that's where the 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 trend that came with uh, i think the investments around pixel so that picked up uh, the the anticipation was that we have a really sexy satellite or rocket there and then we tried to bring them down uh, and then they were like oh okay you don't have a satellite so <laughs> so i think that 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 was uh, that was uh, something that uh, we we saw that uh, we were not exactly going with the winds of change uh, but what we also saw is we we got uh, a good support from uh, the ecosystem outside india as well where where they saw that if you're trying to uh, uh, simplify space for somebody who just needs numbers and integrate that with their own business process uh, this is something that's a real force multiplier so uh, we were we were able to uh, uh, get these really early stage investors both in india and outside uh, and they are they are sort of uh, uh, support through that early phase and actually uh, building a team uh, understanding the market dynamics uh, and spending time that that was quite uh, uh, quite helpful and and it did come at the right time uh, and uh, even despite covid i think that's been pushing us forward so because their belief is is the first thing uh, and their belief is not coming from a typical space background so none of our early stage investors have put money in any space company uh, they don't understand that well enough and when we speak to them also it's it's real world stuff it's not about uh, when are you flying on a satellite they what they're asking is have you been able to discover what is it that gets your customers sold uh, uh, have you have you been able to break it down for them such that they understand it as well as we have understood so uh, that that's quite 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 a good uh, start to our journey that we've seen great and you know a couple of other topics that are again you know interesting is uh, this whole policy stuff from what you guys are building i think it doesn't really affect you so much as the other companies would be either operating launch vehicles or building satellites of their own i mean in this sense uh, do you see any like specific requirements that you would want to change for your business but i don't really see that maybe because you're processing some data you're only on the data processing side you're not really operating a camera you're not really putting together a full satellite you're not really looking to access to particular frequencies so it seems that you know you are very well uh, covered with your ground in terms of not really requiring any changes in policy when it comes to operating as a company i think this is vishesh's favorite subject <laughs> couple of points here so a uh, couple of aspects of the remote sensing policy of 2011 and 2020 uh, do come in here so uh, in the recent policy if you see uh, uh, 0.5 meters or better resolutions are classified as sensitive so uh, uh, if anything is sensitive in india then probably you should stay away from it so it just is 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 an immediate uh, no so uh, <clears throat> the rate at which uh, we are going with probably like to operate sub meter uh, satellite uh, images as well and, and and that would be something that would be uh, requiring i mean so we haven't gone through this whole process where you know uh, any sub meter resolutions uh, satellites images uh, analytics i have to share with somebody uh, 
but probably this will be something that will come up. Uh, but on the same side, I also see the uh, uh, a little bit of uh, you know uh, comedy here, g- given the fact that uh, the 2011 policy talked about uh, resolution submitter resolutions as sensitives and requiring nrsc approvals and and uh, but you've got uh, google maps giving you 30 centimeter resolution data and you can happily uh, look at say in near barracks and uh, uh, any plenty of places where you know uh, it's kind of promised that okay things will be scrubbed off and uh, uh, i mean turns out that nrsc doesn't do that and google happily puts away all of this information for free so if if uh, if these uh, either do away with all these clauses or at least have a very efficient way to vet this and, and enforce a policy uh, i would love to have that part uh, implemented probably you know in with with the the the, the private players uh, uh, informed and uh, you know kept in loop of uh, so that essentially informs really what kind of products uh, we could work with uh, in the near future as well and and so this is something that would these are certain visibilities that would uh, that would be great to have uh, uh, but yeah i think yeah apart from that we are not having any obstructions uh, with uh, say with launch or say uh, something of that sort that other companies are facing sure like to add on this so uh... A primary aspect which we want to demonstrate with uh, our first flight, which we should be able to announce publicly in a bit, is uh, the ability to to say reduce the raw sensor data into something that is usable, right? And we're we catering to these geospatial companies who probably have algorithms that run on analysis ready, uh, really clean georeferenced pixels. So the intent is to make that available and. Uh, the the question basically is that if they ask uh, to say apply an algorithm on this location, uh, they are not going to give it say through email or anything that is going to be human readable. Most of these companies want to automate even their own processes, and if they want to say fetch information that lies within a restricted area within their country or anybody else's country. Uh, all of that needs to be programmatic. So probably through an API, uh, which is machine readable uh, and any policy that can be integrated into this would be great, but it needs to exist in sort of a software defined uh, mode so that if you wanted to say, uh, put a breaker in that saying that pixels uh, one to N fall within a restricted area A, uh, uh, reject or drop this request and it would be really great because today what what you're actually having is commercial players if they want to sell imagery say into india uh, they need to go via nrsc because this uh, machine compliant process doesn't exist so it's 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 pretty manual and it's also arbitrary right because if you want to give the benefits of autonomy to someone they are looking for repeatable uh, delivery times so you you can't be promising someone you'll get a daily refresh of your change detection but uh, that could have a lag of uh, anywhere between one week and one month so really it, it, it sort of spoils it so uh, wh- what i'm trying to say is even though we are not wanting to 
demonstrate that as a very crucial part, but that's going to come very quickly because if you prove that you could get uh, analytics done very close to the edge, then the next step is how do you automate it? And uh, it could be accidental that a customer of our of our own partners end up querying, say, a, a Air Force base in uh, Batinda or somewhere, and they should not be getting those pixels. So, but they uh, either never get it or they get it and somebody gets into trouble and they start justifying themselves because it's a sort of ad hoc policy. So I feel, uh, especially the remote sensing policy, it, it's great. As in, if they tell it's all great, uh, fine, but they still tell it has to come by NRSC to be scrubbed. Uh, really, we should move away from hard disks and CDs and emails. So that's that's what we expect would really help us because otherwise then we really limit an Indian market. And uh, limiting the Indian market is is not not great for uh, building the ecosystem. Yeah, great. I think um, there's a number of listeners, of course, who are uh, you know taking notes on all of this, and I'm gonna like try to bring this up uh, to you know some of the people that I'm working with in pushing some of these uh, changes as well. I mean, things are kind of frustrating because there's no open consultation in general. And people are kind of making up rules as uh, they go behind closed doors and not really consulting uh, or having open consultations where they can learn what is the real requirement that drives uh, commercial sustainability uh, for people at the end. And this is, you know, something that we're trying to fix uh, in the process uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, let's see how how things go. But I'm kind of uh, hopeful that uh, since the critical mass of uh, people are there now, Perhaps uh, there's going to be a more open dialogue in uh, in moving all of this uh, further in in that sense. So what is uh, the next, you know, one or two years looking like? What are the immediate milestones and, you know, where do you see like all of this moving in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months? Yeah, so I think uh, the first is, of course, to get our uh, tech ready and uh, uh, demonstrate that in space. Uh, all our efforts are towards that uh, and uh, feedback from that would really be great because we want to share that with uh, more satellite operators who may want to have this on their satellites. Uh, so first is that to to share the benefits that uh, they can get. Uh, and of course, the next is uh, to be able to probably give a few demo data sets that people can play around with uh, and once that is that is good to go, then probably we would put out a platform that uh, you could go request for uh, analytics of, uh, say, like an app, uh, apply this app on uh, these uh, uh, locations and give me a result. Uh, so that's that's what we, we've set ourselves as sort of uh, three steps over the coming two years. And uh, beyond that, uh, it's it's mostly uh, uh, to to scale this up to meet uh, uh, demand. So in in addition to just commercial demand, we feel uh, it's it's an ecosystem that's built by those who use these data sets, and we are uh, we are engaging quite a few of them to come in and uh, think of how you could leverage uh, these types of technologies to bring true value because I think. Uh, like most of the market projections that tell the earth observation value added services market is 3 billion, 4 billion, it's going to reach 11 billion in, uh, I don't know, one digit years, two digit years. 
I think all of that is based on really seeing how much of uh, a new user segment you could add every year. And uh, a lot of it is based on the price point. A lot of it is based on uh, complexity reduction. Uh, I think that's that's our main push, which is to take some of this ecosystem along with us and some network effects, of course, will make that more popular. I think being uh, one among very few companies trying to do this, especially in this region of the world, uh, there's a very, very large uh, diversity in problem statements that can be solved. Uh, and I think more of these companies might come up uh, and in an ideal sense, two years from now, if we have a company that is able to justify their own value proposition because they are using edge compute on some satellite uh, in space, I think that would be a very great uh, place to be. Uh, and it, we, we basically want to enable a lot more businesses to utilize Earth observation the way uh, so GPS has spurred Swiggy, Zomato, Ola, all these guys. So if that is possible, I think uh, that's sort of a midterm goal. Uh, if we can get there probably in five years uh, and start actually making that mark in the first two years. Yeah, if I could add, I, I see this as uh, two parts here on the technology and the service side. So I feel that uh, uh, at least the next one year is critical for us to you know back up and uh, uh, demonstrate the technology that we're claiming to be building. And uh, uh, generally, the test will come when when the real information is processed. And uh, currently, we can we can talk about all the uh, you know all the information that is available openly. But uh, I think there'll be a lot of learning uh, before we mature. Let's say our onboard imaging pipeline, uh, and ultimately getting towards a place where we could start our service. So. Uh, that anybody can walk in and actually give us uh, a task which could be uh, run on board and it and do it totally seamlessly and uh, it should be uh, that level of uh, maturity uh, that we are trying to build over the next one one and a half years and and uh, once that is there uh, and we look at not just one but multiple payloads i would love to imagine this as a sensor agnostic and a, a platform agnostic platform as in, as in by a satellite platform uh, agnostic uh, edge computing device. So uh, it, that allows us the opportunity to not just be uh, diverse in terms of global coverage revisits, but also diverse in terms of the kind of data that we want to process. Uh, also be diverse in the kind of data sets uh, in which we could fuse information together. Uh, I, I think so in our roadmap, we would... Uh, basically want to graduate from uh, the existing multispectral sensors. So we will be wanting to include other sensors, uh, which makes sense. Uh, uh, ultimately, I would like to, uh, uh, if I could give a, a, a real long-term thing from my point of view, is, is something that uh, uh, using geospatial remote sensing technologies, can we allow uh, ourselves to be... Uh, Becoming someone who can verify uh, uh, truth, really, on, on, on the earth. So say, for example, somebody wants to find out that, okay, is this particular thing true? Uh, if it's possible to view it, and if it's possible to have a reproducible evidence for the same, uh, this technology should probably uh, 
take us there. And uh, uh, I, I see that uh, from the problem statements that exist today, we should be um, opening up rather than for uh, just just for data itself. Uh, I would like to see people using insights and the volume of insights that the people are uh, operating today should be uh, 10x or 100x over the coming years. Right. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you so much for spending the time here. Final question. Uh, if people want to contact you in one way or the other, you know, either to partner with you or so on, what would be like the profile of the people that you would want to attract contacting you, either potential customers or even other otherwise other sort of people as well? Uh, we would love to be associated with uh, immediately uh, uh, geospatial companies who would like to uh, onboard their algorithms and test it on uh, a near real time or say uh, onboard computing system. Uh, uh, as much use cases as possible uh, would be perfect. Uh, we want to uh, be uh, very open and uh, so the initial resolutions are medium resolutions that something that we are targeting. So uh, we would love to have uh, uh, use cases that com uh, companies are building. Uh, uh, yeah, so that I think from our, my point of view would be uh, the initial set of people we would like to target. But as we prove capacity, uh, we would like to target uh, uh, a more generic end customers. So if you want to add. Yeah, so uh, so in addition to, to geospatial companies, of course, we are looking for those who are either building their own sensors uh, and they're trying to, say, uh, collect more data than a platform that they could get a ride on uh, uh, can actually bring down. So say uh, most, most of these places that we've seen is the resolution is high, uh, Tasking is probably the only way that that you're going to uh, uh, recover the uh, investment to uh, put this in space. Uh, so those are certainly places where uh, reducing the the bandwidth would help. So sort of uh, selectively downlink images that are useful. You're tasking them, which means the the denominator in this equation is pretty small. The margins are really really low. So you don't want to retask uh, unnecessarily. So some of these will certainly help. Of course, hyperspectral um, imaging sensors are, are another phenomenon that has sort of started off in the last three years. So a lot of commercial companies are starting up with these uh, sensors. So uh, we, we'd like to speak to them to know what's their specific problem statement because uh, that's, that's more technical that goes closer to their own instrument, the way it works. Uh, ability to clean and contextualize the outputs. Uh, that's something that, that we really want to work towards because that helps solve not just their problem, uh, but it also solves it sort of in a more permanent sense, right? Because their sensor now not just comes with data, but it also comes with a little bit of a, like a tiny human being sitting there and telling, this is useful, this is not useful. You could send it, send this in a different way so that you can be more efficient. So that's something that, that we're looking to speak to. And of course, uh, satellite operators who probably have uh, the, the whole ground station problem statement. If they're scaling up, uh, they might be interested. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think it, it's, it's a theme throughout wherever we've reached out. Most of the companies uh, are, that we speak to are uh, at max probably five years old. Uh, I, I think it speaks to the 
revolution that's happening in the in the sector so we called new space the ones that came up in 2010 uh, now you already sort of have two cohorts of new space in that time and uh, the third cohort is is where we are and they're trying to capture market from the first and second cohort so uh, i think uh, uh, it's it's the openness so the really young companies are are ones that are yet to face those problems that we would probably solve it's the second cohort which is 2015 onwards those companies that actually are now realizing we don't want to be uh, carrying the weight of resource requirements that uh, companies uh, that started in 2010 and 2005 had uh, but also we cannot risk uh, getting into new technology areas that uh, sort of uh, distract us so they are looking for somebody outside and we want to be the ones that can give them uh, an entry point over here so most of most of our work with these partners has been to understand the problem statement deliver a demonstration for them uh, and uh, we're also graduating them for uh, sort of almost uh, almost so called free uh, which is to demonstrate it real time in space which few people have access to Uh, show them that it's possible now if you are able to monetize it so be it because that's that's when our first dollar starts coming in. so that's that's the amount of trust we see that's required in the ecosystem and we are uh, we are upfront to say that we'll work with you and uh, and try to solve your specific problem because i uh, it's sort of like a three three point uh, triangle here right so we are in a place where we could give benefits to a lot of people uh, we've sta- we've started with one which is sort of the user side and the other support pillars are of course who's the imager or the sensor who's supporting you on board who's the platform uh, we see like this this sort of ecosystem uh, can can get a lot more benefits as we go along thank you very much uh, aditya and vishesh i think this has been a very interesting conversation to know you know you guys uh, progressing really well i wish you of course all the best and uh, with your initial tests as well as uh, then hopefully scaling up with all the things and i do hope that there's a lot of uh, intertwining like mechanisms in place for many of the local companies especially these other new space startups to find traction with you guys and you know that could be something that be built out locally with some of this as well thank you again for spending so much of your time uh, with this uh, podcast and uh, you know wish you luck great thank you thank you np and uh, as a person who's listened to some of your podcasts it, it's a uh, great privilege to be on one of them so thank you for uh, uh, giving us some time uh, i just want to uh, give a last parting message on my end uh, indian programmers please get into computer vision uh, and get into space uh, we want more of you to do geospatial analysis and there are plenty of opportunities coming up